Hello, everybody, and welcome to Art Drama Lama, where we look beyond the galleries and dish on the art world's gossip, rivalries, and eccentricities. My name is Deandra. My name is Nancy. And I'm Vartika. Oh, and today we're going to look beyond. <laughs> I was like, Angie, say your thing. I saw you looking at me, and so I looked at you. And then I got it. Okay, let's do it again. Sorry, my bad. Uh, okay. Hey, everybody. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm still waking up. Okay. Shake it up, shake it up. You got this. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Art Drama Lama, where we look beyond the galleries and ditch on the art world's gossip, rivalries, and eccentricities. city. My name is Sianja. My name is Nancy. And I'm Vartika. And today we're going to look beyond the Staffordshire figures. Yay. Uh, this is a very exciting topic. <laughs> Why do you sound scared. sarcastic? Yeah, I'm scared by that tone. Okay, so honestly, I was just looking for some interesting, like, folk art type stuff, since that's the topic of our season. And this is not my forte, but I'm trying to make it work. And I just feel like this topic is interesting to a very niche group of people because they're highly collectible, as I found out, and people are highly passionate about it, but it just is not my interest. In like the Fabergé eggs. Yeah, yeah. In a sense. Yeah. But I think the, I mean, yeah, yeah, these are, I was going to say the Fabergé eggs are more intricate, but these are pretty mm. intricate as well. And, um, that's why people like them because you can really see the craftsmanship from that time in England. Um, but yeah, we can get into it a little bit more. Um, as an introduction, since I'm sure you guys, you know, you guys don't need it, right? You guys don't know all about the Staffordshire figures, but for our audience members, <laughs> we might need a refresher. <laughs> um, Staffordshire pottery figures are earthenware figures made in England and primarily in the county of Stratfordshire, therefore the name, but also in other counties and also in Scotland. Um, and really the loosest term for Stratfordshire figures would include all, sort of, all sorts of earthenware made between the 1740s to the 1960s from all the counties in Scotland. And this was not only these figurines, but also various porcelain plates that were made during this time. Um, but most of these Victorian figures between the 1937s and 1900s were designed to be stood on a shelf or mantelpiece. Um, and so they were only modeled and decorated whereas these visible on the front and the side. And these were known as flat backs. And these figures were actually pretty large. So you could get something around five to seven inches, um, but also some of these could be up to 20 inches and the smallest was two inches. So quite a bit of range. Um, and I feel like these are just really nice, like mantle piece, you know, like stuff you put on top of your fireplace. Um, and so the Staffordshire figures are split in between a few different eras. So the first are the er early figures from the 1740s to the 1780s. These are rare salt glazed stoneware with limited range of colors. And the color lead glazes were applied to biscuit earthenware bodies and then fired. Um, and all of these figures, like if you if you look at one of these figurines and you see like a tree and a body and like a dog, 
all of those pieces and like if you think about the head the legs all of those because they're so intricate would have to be individually modeled so sometimes some of these figurines with a scene could have like more than like 30 or 40 molds for all the different components that were put together at the end um, but keeping going with our groups of Stratfordshire figures between the 1780s and 1840s were the Prattware figures and these were colors applied to the biscuit body, then covered with a clear lead glaze and then fired. And it was during this time that the images started becoming less rustic and a little bit less folk art-like. And then between the 1800s and 1837s are the pre-Victorian Stratfordshire figures where the clear lead glaze was applied to the biscuit body and then fired. And then the colors are applied over the lead glaze and then fired. And then between 1837 and 1900s with the Victorian, or the Victorian Stratfordshire figures, where there were blue tinged lead glaze applied to the biscuit body and then fired, then colors are applied over the lead, lead glaze and fired, when, and then finally the gilt is applied and then fired. And then this is really when mass production of these Stratfordshire figures started occurring. Um, hold on. Every time you say fired, I keep thinking like, someone got fired yeah <laughs> and I'm like no 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 it's like an actual like fire like it was yeah like, put in the fire yeah I was saying all of this and I was like oh I guess people not everyone necessarily knows about how pottery works but yes yes you bring up a good point Sandra when we say fired it means no I was just I was just like bringing it up because I would have many like panic like who got fired why <laughs> and I'm like nobody nobody got fired <laughs> We're all good. We all have our jobs. <laughs> yes, yes. This, this kept going. Yeah. Uh, no, I was gonna. I was gonna clarify anyway. Um, when we say fired, and like when we say glaze, you know, it's and biscuit body. It's these figurines would be made from clay, and then you would either apply a glaze, like a paint, over it, and then you would fire it as putting into an oven or a kiln. Really, is the right terminology for it but basically like an oven and having it bake. Um, and then that solidifies the clay and the, and the colors together. Um, so that's what we mean by fired. We're not actually firing people or, make, or making people lose their jobs, you know? <laughs> not yeah. yet. Not no, yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that will be modern technology's job. They will fire all of these artisans. <laughs> Anyways. That sounds kind of foreboding. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so there are also um, a variety of subject matters that these Stratfordshire's figures would display, and they would also evolve over time due to popular taste. And um, some of the subjects that have remained popular throughout the entire period have been lion and dogs, and especially the King Charles Spaniel for a mantelpiece. But you know, some of these figures include just like daily mundane life scenes, famous historical events that have happened. Um, it can contain political events, stories from the Bible, um, any sort of like things that people were interested in displaying during that time. Um, animals, there were a ton of animals. Um, but yeah, so you just have like this wide variety of these figurines that had that that had such a wide range of different subjects for it that all people sort of wanted to have represented in their homes it's kind of like your paintings at home 
now, I would say it's kind of similar where you could, some people have major paintings or some people have like biblical paintings or et cetera, et cetera, right? So that's how you know we're from the deep south. People have biblical paintings in their homes. <laughs> we're in the Bible Belt here. <laughs> um, I feel like people in Europe probably do too, but I mean, Europe does have like more, I guess. I don't know. I okay, think of Europe as like more. What? Okay, annoying study abroad, kid. <laughs> oh, we all studied abroad. Stop. See, that's the joke. I was like, ha, and I'm a hypocrite. Um, yeah, but people in Europe aren't hanging crosses, you know, outside their homes. Okay, honestly, I think that's kind of like a southern thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. More than like an American thing, I think it's just like a southern thing. Yeah, it's a deep south. It's a Bible Belt thing. Yeah, are we like in the Bible Belt? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, there we go. We're the buckle. Yeah. (laughs) So Bible Belt is a thing. I thought you just made it up. No, no, no. Bible Belt is legit. Yeah. Wow, the entity didn't know something. The entity doesn't know anything. All of history is just gone by. There's too much to remember. She like disassociated. Yeah. I mean, we should ask the entity if she knows what our names are. I see them on the screen. (laughs) We gave it too easy for her. Yeah, too easy. Oh, I thought it'd be a trick question. Darn. (laughs) Well, well, Manchi, you don't really have your real name out there. That's true. I've got my American alias. Yeah, it, it, it was one of those like ABC questions where like A is clearly the answer, B could be, C is not, and D is like most definitely not. Yeah. Something obvious like green is spelled with a B. What? Like like green is spelled with the letter V. Like some, uh, some stupid like multiple yeah, yeah. answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. It's like the okay. almost true but not really true answer. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Anyway, speaking of names. um, Yeah, so speaking of names, with the Stratfordshire figures, there's actually a lot of small, unknown small manufacturers that produce them, so we don't know the names of them. And for the most part, any sort of marked pieces are really rare, except for Walton pieces. So if you're ever out looking at Stratfordshire figures, you probably won't see an artisan's name on it, Except for maybe the Waltons. Um, this gives me yeah. like unmarked grave vibes. Yeah, a little bit, like, huh? Yeah, like the spirit of like the artist just can't rest because it's like nobody knows I made it, or at least nobody knows the company that like I made it with. Yeah, yeah. It's all out in the world, and all these people today are collecting them, but nobody really knows who the manufacturers are. Okay, there's still mystery in the world. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you could look at it as mystery. It is a better way to look at it than saying, oh, they're not being recognized. That's so sad. Yeah. Um, but why are Stratfordshire figures so interesting? Um, there's a few reasons. The first being that they resonate with social history and they're a folk art. Um, they were for the people uh, and they were by the people. And they really showed the enthusiasm and taste of ordinary folk when times were really difficult, uh, but times were also very fun, you know? 
and these are kind of one of the few ways you can see daily life portrayed during that time. Um, you can see courtships, weddings, boxing matches, any other sport activities. You can also see like mundane tasks like farming or pumping water. Um, and you also get to see menageries or circus performances depicted within the Staffordshire figures. And you can also see the political issues that were happening at the time. There's quite a few that talk about slavery and there's quite a few talking about uh, tetalism, uh, like the abstain, the alcohol abstaining movement. And then of course, there's a ton of pieces about religion. Um, you know, Adam and Eve, Abel and Cain, all types of stories. Okay, you know what? I take back my like haunted, um, rested artist spirit. I feel like it's more like or like a rebellious spirit. Now that I know that it was like for the people. Yeah. Maybe it was like yeah, like you know what? I don't even know who made it. Don't even know what company. Like it doesn't matter. What matters is what I'm depicting. Yeah, exactly. It takes away the another fun twist. Rebel spirit. Yeah. There you go. I like that perspective. Yeah, you're right. It's a uh... Without it having a name, it's like we can really focus on what the topic at hand, right? Rather mm -hmm. than, oh, how did the artist influence this? Or who is the artist? And what does the piece say about the artist? All we now really think about is, oh, this piece shows this part of life during that time. Yeah. And I also feel like without that connection, you can, like, in a way, kind of enjoy that this was, like, made by somebody. Yeah. Like, yeah, was, with, like, like this anonymous, like, like handmade thing you know like, mm -hmm. this, like I don't know like this intrinsic connection that you just you don't need details for it. yeah and in some ways it's like you can imbue deep more meaning into it right like mm -hmm. because you don't know who the artist is there isn't a sort of preconceived bias you can mm -hmm. just really you know have your own interpretation because we don't know who it is so any interpretation could be right yes I like that yeah, I never thought about it that way. That's an interesting take on lost artist names. Okay. I also think that this is a particular case for this specific like art because mm -hmm. they it was made for the intention of like daily like viewing, like daily life. Yeah. This is like a painting that was meant to, you know, be put on a literal and figurative and figurative like pedestal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You make an excellent point and also segues very well into the second part why these are really interesting because because they were made for the people because they're meant to be decorative pieces that's another part that's another reason why they're so interesting because they're just really really stunning decor pieces for some people i'll be honest i looked at them and i was like i feel like it's a very specific aesthetic if you were to have these in your home and i don't think i fall into that aesthetic but I can appreciate the art behind it. Um, but yes, they're very stunning decor pieces, as some people would say, and that's why they're interesting. Um, and then the last point is they're also hugely collectible because there are so many that are made with so many different scenes and depictions. Um, you can really like, and there's also so many from different periods of time you can really start to build a collection either by going super broad and like getting everything you can, or you can focus on like a very specifically specific period, like the Pratt Ware or pre-Victorian, um, or you could choose to, to only collect specific items or specific scenes, right? Like 
I'm just going to do royalty or like portraits of this political figure or cats or dogs or um, only people doing regular themes. So because there's such a wide variety, you can really make this into a collector's item. And also for anybody who's looking to maybe gain a buck or are interested in going to antiques, these figures, especially the early ones, can sometimes fetch prices into the six figures. For example, there's a Pew Group, which is a type of Stratfordshire figure from the 1745s that sold for $168,000 at a Christie's auction in 2006. And there's another one that sold at Sotheby's for $179,000. Um, so yeah, so if you happen to go to an estate sale or you happen to go to look at antiques and you find a Stratfordshire figure, you could be a hundred grand up from where you are today. Manchi, that estate sale that you and our other friend went to a couple yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah. You guys could have struck it rich. Could have struck something there. Yeah. <laughs> I like how like you find this out after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> I could have already made it out like a bandit and you guys wouldn't yeah. know. Okay, okay. If you had known this information beforehand, would you have like, you know, potentially bought one? Yeah, I think so. Like gamble? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess it depends what the price is. I think if it was $50 or below, I probably would have taken the gamble. But if it was anything above that, I think that's too much. Okay. Yeah, because $50 is like, one month's electricity bill for me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, reasonable, reasonable. Yeah. Um, but you know what? My parents have told me that they've like they've had family friends in the North Texas area who've gone to an estate sale, an, like a an American estate sale, and found genuine antique Chinese pottery from like the Tang Dynasty. Um, that are worth a lot, but you know, got smuggled out of the country. So I'm just saying, you know, I think there's a lot of like possible hidden goods in Dallas that we don't know about. Anyway, speaking to more lighter topics <laughs> and not stolen goods, um, let's talk about how Stratfordshire figures were actually made. So the first step was actually pressing wet clay into molds and then allowing it to shrink dry uh, so it would be easier to remove. And this was used exclusively until the late Victorian period, after which slip molding began to take over. And this was when the individual molds were stuck together with a slip to produce a figure and then fired to dry out all the water content and to then that would form the biscuit. But it's important to note that the manufacturing process in the beginning always changes a lot. So the way you develop over generations, uh, the constructions, the molds, the methods, the styling, the mat subject matter, the glaze formulas, the metal gliding, all of that, the ovens and the kilns, all of that will change a ton over time. And this is also kind of important to note because when you're looking at Stratfordshire figures, if you are interested in getting into this and starting to collect them. This variability can sometimes make it a little bit difficult to discern what is a real one and what is a fake one, but it's okay because in this episode, we will give you some helpful tips to help you to discern what is real, what is fake. 
Um, I'm sorry, are we art drama llama or art drama honesty? <laughs> or art drama helpful? I disagree. <laughs> uh, there's one juicy pizza tidbit <laughs> that I can I'll allow offer. It. Yeah, that's that's the where the drama comes in. Okay, um, all right, all right. I've been Yeah, we'll get there. Um, and then also be you know, not only did the processes change a lot, but there were so many different potters, artisans, and factories that were that were producing Staffordshire figures during this time, and they were adapting to change at all different speeds. Um, and so this is why there is so much variation during this time. And it also explains why an unusual looking figure might not necessarily actually be a fake. Um, so just something to, to note. And there's a lot of variety in Staffordshire figures, not only in time and subject, but also in just the way it's made. Because it was made by a lot of people across a very large time frame. But now that I have gotten you guys peaked on Staffordshire figures. I know the first thing you're going to do is go out and immediately start collecting them. Um, I don't want you to get duped. There are some fakes and so we're going to talk about how to recognize them. And this is where my juicy gossip comes in because the person where I, who I was watching describe the, her method of identifying real and fakes mentioned in her video and also in her comments that the auction houses have actually listed fakes for real Staffordshire figures and sold them at like prices meant for real ones. Um, and she said she's emailed them apparently before saying, hey, you've got the wrong type of figurine and they just ignored her. So, Isn't that illegal though? Like <laughs> send the police after them. What the heck? I guess there's like no way to check profits. So you like can't, really prove if it's real or not you know except for I guess common knowledge um so I don't know how that like holds up in court but now I'm just like super sus about everything that happens in the art world <laughs> low-key I want to tie this back to our lapis lazuli argument but I don't know how <laughs> hey hey but look this is finding out episode where me and Manchi didn't debate something that's true. That's true. We were in very much agreement. So you changed my perspective on something, Sandra. Wow. Whoa. Round of applause. I we think I need together. to like, write this date down. Yeah. In fact, this is the true drama of the episode. The Staffordshire figures were able to bring me and Sandra together. And even when Tika brought up Lapis Lazuli, all I did was laugh. Wow. Wow. Not like years <laughs> of friendship or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh man, we're so old. <laughs> it was um, these, these little figures, these clay figurines. Yeah, yeah, the clay figurines is what brings all of us back together. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that we just need to make like clay figurines of ourselves. <laughs> that way our bond stays like together. And then whenever a clay figurine like gets harmed or something, it's like <gasps> one of them's in danger. Sandra, I feel like we're straying into voodoo doll territory. That's <laughs> not voodoo doll because I'm not like taking like a piece of you and like putting it inside of like something. Yeah, I guess not, but. I think Maybe. you're just making it unnecessarily creepy. This is a wholesome <laughs> comment. You're out here making it 
I was gonna say we just have one and then pass it around like the, the traveling <laughs> pants of the sisterhood. Yeah. Of the maybe sister. a traveling figurine of the llamas. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't even have to like be us. Like accurately. it'll be a llama. Yeah, like it could just be three llamas. Oh man! Now all I can think of is Emperor's New Groove for no good reason. What? Emperor's New Groove. He gets turned into a llama. Oh okay. Yeah, I have not seen it, it but I think he, I she like dress up as him. For like oh, Halloween. yeah. Yeah, we should all dress up as him. Different variations. Let me get buff, and I'll be like Kronk. <laughs> yeah, that's. I was thinking maybe we could do the different characters, but um. If Bartika can be what's her name? The villainess? Hisma? Yeah, because Bartika's just lived so long. Yeah. She's a great character, by the way. I really love her. No, yeah, she's like so fun. Yeah. Like every time I watch it, I'm like, I can tell whoever wrote her and animated her has yeah. the most fun with her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I heard they like actually emulated off of the kit for it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. Enough of this. Who would, wait, who would Manchi be then? The llama? <laughs> yeah, he the emperor. So. Yeah. You have to bow to me. I'm the emperor. I mean, it fits great because we got a feud going, you know? Yeah, and aren't you like Mongolian? Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 6% Mongolian. There you go. Let me wave it. Exactly. Perfect. So it's like your Mongolian, like, blood going like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, you guys, if we're ever in the same city for Halloween again, we should do this. Okay. We already have an idea. Okay, so I just have to like be fit like at all times. (laughs) No, no, no. Or like every fall, every fall, I just have to be fit. Yeah. No, you just gotta. No, no, no. Sienna, the solution is you just tell us when you're gonna be fit, and then we'll just make sure we make it that Halloween. I think it's just easier if I'm just always fit. <laughs> That's probably better for her health too, man. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just easier. It's just better all around. It's just you know, because then yeah. it's like I tell it because you know, because then there's like all this pressure. Like we just have to meet up in this like time versus like oh, coincidentally, we are all in the same city. And I happen to be fit. And Sandra is fit. <laughs> All right, well, you better get on it, Sandra, because, you know, you have uh, 10 months before the next uh, Halloween. I graduate in May, hopefully. So around then, I'll get my life together. <laughs> and start working out, yeah. Yeah. All right. No, I'm going to be jealous. Manchi, are you going to come back in May for our graduations? Yeah, oh. man, she. <laughs> I didn't ask consider. for the days off. Well, you I probably mean, only need a few, like, two, three days off. I'll be honest. I was actually going to take time off in May because um, I was thinking I could go visit our friend in Korea in May. And if that oh. doesn't happen because of a micron, then I'll just go do something else. Wow. So what I'm Wait, that's actually that you, such a good uh, idea. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so what I'm hearing is that Nancy rather go to another country than uh, being at our graduation. Well, okay. I'm just saying, you guys let me know what date your graduations are, and I'll make that the beginning of my trip. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because I'm sure it'll be easier to fly out of Texas than it will be to fly out of New York. Well, actually, I don't know. New York's probably closer to Korea. 
Is it? I don't know. No, I think it's closer to you. There's an hour difference. (laughs) I don't think it's like. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It's an hour. (laughs) But it's a three hour flight. Oh. Hmm. Well, I don't know, because I guess it's like the question of uh, which way you go. Yeah. Like, are you flying over the Pacific or the Atlantic in Europe? Right. Mm. At least we don't have to sail. That's true. You know, I was looking at the container ships the other day and I was like, huh, I wonder what it would be like to be on one of them now. Because nobody takes, well, I guess I was going to say nobody takes ships anymore, but I forgot about cruises. (laughs) But like, you're not taking like an Atlantic ship you know to go from new york to london so yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah anyway that's all people still did but i guess those are more just like freight and stuff yeah yeah that's 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 all to say i really want to be on a freight trip just to see what it's like <laughs> yeah because okay. yeah, like when when i flew back to new york we like we landed coming in from the Atlantic and we just saw a ton of freight ships that were just hanging out in the ocean. I was like, what are they doing? Are there people on the boats? If there are, are they just like offshore, like basically a few miles from shore, but can't be on shore for like weeks. That's kind of crazy. Never thought about it. They probably do have to come to shore at some point though, to like yeah, load to unload. Unload. yeah, yeah, yeah. They do, but because of supply chain, like I think some of them are just hanging out a few miles from shore oh that far out yeah 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 I mean I they were they were not like docked they were just hanging out in the ocean so just chilling like a villain (laughs) polluting our water. there's no icebergs (laughs) (laughs) yeah no no icebergs but other potential issues anyway Back to Stratfordshire figures. Um, okay, so now you guys really want to know how to tell fakes from reals and not be like any auction houses who apparently don't know how to tell them apart. I can give Wait, you some. So what I'm time. hearing is that we can have like a scam. I yes, we could. <laughs> That's we the could. first Ooh. thing she thinks of. I was like, oh wow, now we can find real ones and make things. <laughs> I'm like, but no, she's going the other one. way to make yeah things. how about what we do like a mix of both that way we just have money from both venues <laughs> and we can't tell them apart either no no like we'll, we'll find a way for us to know we'll find a way we'll find a way okay, okay. anyway back to you Manji. um okay well now that we have our scheme in mind let me tell you how we need to execute um so i'm gonna give you a crash course the first thing you need to know are that fakes are split between two types. You have the repos, which are the reproduction of an original Staffordshire figure. And typically they were made using from the molds from those original pieces. And then you also have the fake ones made in China from the 1990s onwards. And these are factory made. And because you have two different types of fakes, the type of um, tracing you need to look for are going to be different. So starting off with the repos, you can usually tell they're fake by the following traits. The first is the crazing on the statue. And the crazing is actually just a network of lines on the statue. So if you ever look at porcelain figures, sometimes you can see that there's a ton of just like, it looks like cracks in the figurine. 
and that those are called crazy. Um, and in the real Staffordshire figures, they're very subtle and you can't see them, but in the reproductions, you can see them very clearly, either on the figurines or if you turn over the base, you can see that. Speaking of the base, with the repos, they're typically unglazed. So with the real Staffordshire figures, the base of the figurine, if you flip it over, it will be covered with a paint layer. But typically with the reproductions, because they want to like save money and et cetera, et cetera, they're not going to paint the bottom. The other thing is that the colors used on the figurines are not going to have the same depth and reflectivity. This one is a little bit hard to tell immediately off the bat. I feel like you really need some experience looking at these figurines side by side and in person to really tell that there is a difference. Um, yeah, because like the ladies show different examples and like I cannot tell the difference, but also it's a video, so um, it's a little bit harder. Wait, before you go on, Manchi. Um... Martika's going senile. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so out of context. Because <laughs> I was going to cut the part before. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, I'll be quiet. <laughs> All of a sudden... <laughs> Wait before you go on. Aren't you guys senile? <laughs> fit in. I'm just so funny. You just, just like cut the laughs mind. out, but like <laughs> Yeah, just leave it in. Just leave my comment. <laughs> oh my god. Oh so good. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> since I am going senile, let me continue and say. Um, with an unglazed base, you can usually tell very easily because the color looks like super dull compared to like the glazed part. Yes. Um, I don't remember if we did like clay work or like pottery stuff in art history ever, but like back in like sixth grade, sixth grade art, um, I have pieces that are I think unglazed from the bottom. So like, it's very, yeah. very clear, you can tell. Yeah, it's true, Tika, you, you bring up a good point. Um, <laughs> I'm not going senile. You're not I going remember senile. that much. <laughs> um, yes, the unglazed base, bases are very easy to tell. And there's also a textual difference. Uh, if you feel it, it will be kind of gritty, whereas anything mm. that's been glazed is going to be very smooth, so. Yeah, and then um, another thing that you mentioned was, like, the lack of blue tinge on white glaze. Like, now that I think about it more, um, that's also, I would say, pretty noticeable, just because yeah. it is shinier, so it does yeah. have that, like, I guess it does have a tint. I've never yeah. noticed it that much, but... Yeah, yeah, no, I mean... Um, so yeah, maybe I mean, we can't we... tell them apart, like, when we actually yeah. see them. Yeah, when you... I think, I think some of these, like pretty obvious ones are very easy to tell. Um, mm -hmm. I guess if it's like a very good reproduction, oh, yeah. you might need to like know a little bit more, but I think for the most part, the reproductions aren't that well-made. Um, mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, like the blue tinge on the white paint is actually pretty easy to tell. Like, I think you just, it's a matter of having a comparison. Yeah, if you don't have too. the comparison, you're like, what blue tinge? Is this a blue tinge? Like, am I imagining things? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's like some of those is like you just really need to see a real one and a fake one next to each other and then it'll be very startlingly different. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And then the 
like another way you can tell it is like with the reproductions, usually the faces are not as animated and it's not like the figurines faces just don't have that much emotion. Whereas typically with the Staffordshire figures, you can really see what they're feeling and what they're thinking. Um, and also because they're just, there's more attention to detail. So the faces are better made. One thing that's um, sort of interesting is during this period, a lot of the figurines that were made have this kind of haughty look as well, because they were trying to express how sophisticated they were. Um, Not like haughty, that. like, I was going to say Megan, yeah, I was going to say Megan Thee Stallion. I don't know why, I guess he's like the ultimate definition right now of a, or no, she calls her fans hotties, I think. Oh, I really know nothing about her, so. I think. Oh, well, maybe I am going senile. <laughs> the entity just knows things sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, she, man, she meant H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Like, yes, exactly. And arrogant. Yes. Yes, thank you, Tika. Just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I realized I said haughty. I was like, hmm, I wonder if people realize what term I'm actually using um but yes maybe some of our I was gonna say younger listeners but we don't have that many younger <laughs> listeners but I mean you never know people might not know the definition it's true and always assume yeah yeah no you are correct um and then speaking of lack of details on the faces there's usually also lack of detail in the other parts of a reproduction figure so you have to pay attention to the flowers the bonnets edges it's just not as well made. Every single part of a real Stratfordshire figure has been has a lot of thought put into it, and you can really tell. Like with the bond edges, it's you, you can tell it was purposely made, like crimped and things like that. And the laces look very uh, purposely made. Whereas with the reproductions, usually it just looks like somebody slapped it on, or it's like there's seems to be detail but it's not well-made detail um and i think you kind of just need a comparison because the reproductions are all made from actual Staffordshire figures if you just look at two of the same side by side you'll be able to see the lack of detail the blue tinge the difference in colors um but the crazing the unglazed bays those are all like really easy giveaways that this definitely is not a Staffordshire figure so that's what the repos with the fakes made from China. There's a few different things that will tick you off. Um, the first being is that these faces will look slightly Asian, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. <laughs> um, I saw some of the Chinese uh, fakes of the Staffordshire figures, and definitely the eye, the like, the faces look a little bit more Asian. There's like more people with black hair. Their eyes are slightly upturned. Their skin tone is uh, a little They're like more we're done yellow. here. <laughs> yeah, like more more Asian representation yeah. is needed. Yeah, exactly. That's how we're getting into the market. The Staffordshire figures. That's a real change <laughs> needs to like, happen first. Like Fifty to hundred years from now, the fake ones are like valuable. Yeah, because they're fake and they represent like Asian people. <laughs> yeah, or like I don't know, they they become like accepted. Yeah. So they're I mean, like they're like yeah they're worth something now <laughs> those it's are possible. the ones that are gonna bring the change start the change drive the change yeah yeah exactly 
I mean, I feel like honestly, it's just whenever there's a low supply of something, that's when it becomes really popular. So if there's fewer fakes than originals, then I feel like people are gonna go for the fakes, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, because people like people have the real ones locked away, mm-hmm. hidden, maybe destroyed. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, with the fakes, other ways to tell that they're not real are one the slightly Asian faces that we just talked about. Um, two, there's also going to be heavy misspelling. Whenever they're depicting sort of like, uh, whenever the Staffordshire figures depict some sort of historical event or any sort of scene, um, they'll typically have some sort of word in it or words in it, like a little passage from the marriage law or like the names of the two boxers and things like that. And in the Chinese made face, they will be misspelled. And so that's like a dead giveaway. Another way to tell is that they have really heavy bases. So if you pick one up and you just feel like it weighs a ton, that's probably a fake from China. They're also really thick compared to the Staffordshire figures. And like the repos, the Chinese fakes will also have lack of detail. And I feel like these are a lot more obvious than the reproductions, but if you just look at sort of the edges of the bonnets or the flowers or any type of like small thing you can just tell it was like made in a rush and people just kind of slap stuff on um and there just wasn't that much attention paid to the details because that's not how you make money and that's how how you mass reduce Um, and then the last thing is that the figures won't be individually molded usually they'll be attached to the base or things like that so it looks like you could have made the entire thing from one mold versus having to make separate individual parts of a figure and parts of the scene to finally put it together. So that's the summary on Staffordshire figures. We kind of went through the background, why they're exciting, how they're made, and how to tell real from fakes. And I feel like you guys are all prepared to go out and be Staffordshire figure antique hunters now. We can make new hobby show. unlocked. Yeah, there you go. New hobby. We can make you this see any of our fake <laughs> ones. You better be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you better let us dominate the market. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, I mean, we could turn this podcast into a Staffordshire podcast, now, right? Staffordshire figure podcast. We just know so much. Every week. Why we leave a trail? Why leave a trail? <laughs> no, we gotta establish ourselves as the dominant experts in it. So when we do sell a piece, people will think, oh, they're legit. Or we'll authenticate fake pieces and make a buck out of that. Oh my gosh, you guys. Okay, okay. I'm vibing with you. All right. I, yeah, I feel like such a criminal, Sandra. Um, go off the record and further flesh <laughs> out this uh, scheme. Oh my gosh. Let's circle back offline. <laughs> sounds so sus <laughs> I hate when okay. people do that during meetings well yeah, besides- let's circle back offline let's on it scares me so much during meetings or like group calls because I'm like what happened <laughs> why do we need to circle back offline yeah what is the sus under the table conversation that's about to happen apparently it's to deal fakes <laughs> counterfeit uh, pottery ah, pieces. Sh- 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 we're not going to talk about that. 
that's not what's happening here for the record I am not involved in this I Martika (laughs) am not involved in this it's all Manchi and Tanya you didn't report it so you're associated by association what you didn't rat us out so you're associated by association yeah or you're part of it by association yeah oh no (laughs) (laughs) oh no (laughs) I actually (laughs) it's so funny because I work for you do work for the government yeah I could be spying on y'all right now and taking notes well that's what my dad always says he's like you always have these like spreadsheets and stuff open <laughs> clearly there's something you're doing something else rather than like what your actual job is <laughs> like I mean yeah I'm procrastinating but with spreadsheets <laughs> yeah oh I mean with other stuff I just have the spreadsheets open also. to pretend <laughs> yeah that you're not procrastinating I I don't work with spreadsheets as much anymore but back in 2020 I did well besides uh starting a scam from Stratfordshire figures did you guys have any other final thoughts or commentary no I'm, I think um I'm satisfied with this new business venture <laughs> that's what Sandra got out of it mm-hmm. you know always thinking always thinking always a businesswoman Exactly. Man, Why I are really you going to go to entrepreneurship? Yeah, you should have gone a. You should have been an entrepreneur. No, oh, I'm I thought taking the, the math classes you had to take. I was like, I'm okay. <laughs> what? You have to take math classes for it. Oh yeah. Like, and I was like, I'm totally fine. I'm <laughs> gonna move on with my life. I'm taking an entrepreneurship class this semester. Maybe I'll learn something. <laughs> I took one for like non-majors. And I what I basically got out of it is that you should have just had money to make money. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a, yeah. Well, Tika, now that you've taken your entrepreneur, you're taking your entrepreneurship class. You know, we can pull you into the ring. You can help us run the business. <laughs> I'll do the marketing for it. Yeah, and now you know how to be a founder. There we go. I already yeah. am a founder, man. She, we, we founded this podcast. We also founded book club back in high school. Yeah. Hey, hey, you need a versatile portfolio and resume. <laughs> That's so true. Just add, just add to it. Okay. Yeah. We founded different entertainment organizations, but we need to find, uh, we had to found a actual business venture. Speaking of business ventures, we do actually, did we make a red bubble or what did we make? Yes, we made a red bubble. Well, besides that, you guys should contribute to our Patreon. That's our current business venture. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice tie-in, Bartika. Yeah. All right. Since our did. red bubble isn't set entirely set up, you can contribute to our Patreon instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At well, our Drama Lama. Well, why don't you sign it up for us? To, why don't you sign us off, Tika, and tell the lovely listeners where else they can find us and support us? All right. If you guys have any stories that you would like us to cover, please email us at artdramalama at gmail.com. You, you should also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where our handles are, are, are all artdramalama. And like I just mentioned, 
support us on Patreon, where our handle is ArtDramaLama. Lastly, thank you for joining us, and we hope we can continue looking beyond the galleries with you all next time. Bye, llamas. Bye. Later, guys. Remember, don't be snitches. <laughs> snitches get stitches. Exactly. Exactly. And llamas are known to spit, so just watch <laughs> On that note. Thank you.